Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Sri Ayer. Today is another Monday and we are back with Ask Abhijit, episode number 156. And don't don't mind the overlay, it is episode 56. It's actually 156. No, I take that back. It is 56. I wish it was 156. Uh, but uh, let's welcome Abhijit Ayer. We're we'll jumping straight into questions. We're going to try and cover as many questions as possible. Abhijit Ji, how are you? Veil, veil, vitri veil. Blessings on all of you. <laughs> and vitri veil, vira veil, welcome to you from all of us here. And viewers, there's a new feature in YouTube where if you like the video, let's say you're watching the video after it has aired live. And if you like it, you can do a super thanks by donating a little bit of a little bit of money and thanking us in kind. Thank you very much in advance. Please do like this program so we can get this thing reach as far and wide as possible. Let's go with the questions right away, please. First question, Mandar Karnik again. He, he is almost always the first one to ask the question. India has low human development index numbers. Is this the main reason we are unable to progress from a low income to a middle income country? Or are there other issues afoot? See, basically, all issues come from your low HDI. Okay, because what happens is in a third world country, when you have poorly trained people, uh, even the so-called highly trained people have an extremely low level of training. So what happens is everything becomes third world. Your policy making is third world. Your uh, course correction measures are third world. Your uh, The entire decision making process uh, is essentially a third rate decision making process because the inputs will fundamentally be third world. Okay. Uh, uh, the view of the world is very narrow, parochial, and third world. So, uh, you you know, it, it, it ends up reducing the effectiveness of policy disproportionately. Which is why what you do is in government, you never select based on a single entry exam. Each government should select who and what it thinks is the best. And you have the provision for it, by the way. You know, you bring in ex cadre, anything joint secretary and above is ex cadre. You don't have to give it to the IAS, IFS and things like that, but they insist on doing it. And unfortunately, the selection panel is also IAS, IFS, and they want to uh, control who gets in. So they usually choose the most useless, incompetent character who echoes their own view. So that is one of the main reasons you have debilitatingly bad decision making. And viewers, I was in Belgaum yesterday and I was promoting my Marathi version of the book, Who Painted My Money White? Marathi Bolche? No, he. Okay, all right. Me, me neither. Whatever I said is something else. It's confused. Next question, please. Kanda Batata. Ask Abhijit, why is the U.S. medical system so expensive? Why should we, what should be done to make it more affordable? Question to both of you. Well, mostly litigation. Litigation is a huge issue. I think the cost is entirely a costing of risk and things like that. Uh, uh, because, you know, in Australia, it's not that bad. When I lived there, I had a Medicare card where the government acted as a wholesaler. We paid about $45. The government paid $45. $90, you got top-notch medical treatment. You just walk into any hospital and you're set. So in America, it's a mixture of a lot of things. The costs are to do with litigation. A lot of the costs are also to do with uh, a price gouging, in a sense. right? So... Uh, Americans can pay a lot. Therefore, it, the way colleges do it, you know, your uh, uh, Ivy League degree does not cost $45,000 per semester, but you will end up paying $45,000 per semester because there are people who can. So it's one of those classic cases where several governmental inefficiencies has led to a significant market price appreciation. Uh, is there anything you want to add to that, Shri? What is that? Is there anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, well, you, you're spot on. In fact, the American Medical Association is very, very powerful. 
and they have managed to keep these prices high too. Uh, for example, many of the critical drugs cost less than $5 to make, but the market price is $200, $300 sometimes. And even the senators and congressmen and women are trying to lower that. But this is an uphill battle because the very people that they are trying to punish are their biggest donors. And they want to keep the system going the same way. So it's almost always like a crocodile tears and eyewash and nothing really happens. I mean, Obamacare was the first big stab at this system. And they said that for anyone below 95,000 uh, US dollars annual income, that is a family, or I should say husband and wife filing joint returns, if your uh, net salary was $95,000 or less, you got a huge number of benefits. Today, US is perhaps the most socialist system for those who are below that, which is what makes it that much harder when they start allowing illegal immigrants in without any checks. And that's going to really strain the system. I think the US is going to accelerate its downfall because of this huge blunder that the Biden administration did in the first six months of its regime. So that's that's my two cents. Next question, please. Aditya B wants to know where leftist dictators more brutal than the rightist ones. When you look at the numbers, it actually bears it out. How many people did Augusto Pinochet or uh, Franco kill? Or even Hitler? How many did he kill compared to Stalin or Mao? Uh, or the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot? Uh, wherever you go, you will see communist dictators kill uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, significantly more people than uh, uh, right-wing, so-called right-wing do because remember the Nazi party was not right wing. The Nazi is national socialists. Okay, Franco was right wing. People assume that just because Mussolini was fascist, Franco was fascist, and Hitler was fascist, therefore they're all the same. No, fascism is a belief in the supremacy of the military and force. But you, but your uh, economic ideology. Can be very different. Hitler was socialist. Mussolini was socialist. Uh, Mussolini was probably the least malignant. So there's also that to be said. I mean, he was the least malignant within Italy. Outside, if you look at his campaigns in Libya and Ethiopia and things, they were quite nasty. But uh, uh, Franco, for example, was completely free market. So Franco, yes, uh, uh, <coughs> nasty character, but killed a lot fewer people than these other guys did uh, post the civil wars. War is a different uh, matter altogether. We're talking about purges and things like that. War is a function of war capability. Uh, Pinochet, again, killed far fewer people. Uh, very pro-market. So other than Franco and Pinochet, people try to keep adding Hitler to bring out this equivalence, except when you point out it's national socialist. Next question from Aditya again. Do we have any good leaders in the past who are right-wing and have actually stuck and successfully implemented all the right-leaning ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, Margaret Thatcher. Today, London is a financial capital only because of Margaret Thatcher. Never forget that. She single-handedly stopped the rot that had uh, beset uh, 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 Britain. Charles de Gaulle. Uh, again, right-wing he completely reset the entire thing uh, 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 with France. Okay. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the longest serving Israeli prime minister ever. He is the man who converted it from essentially a high middle income country to a full fledged first world country. You know, I remember going to Israel 20 years back. They were rich, but they were nowhere near as wealthy and rich as they've become entirely because of uh, uh, Netanyahu and the policies he initiated, right? So there have been several right-wing leaders who have done that. There have also been several socialist leaders who have turned out to be right-wing. Uh, 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 you look at uh, 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 South Singapore, Mikon here. Lee Kuan Yew. Lee Kuan Yew, socialist. It's technically the Socialist Republic of Singapore. But what did he do? He believed in business and he believed in government efficiency. He did it and everything took off. Uh, 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 the, the presidents of uh, uh, Pak Chung-hee, Chundu Kwan, and all those people, I mean, they have a bad name today, uh, dictator and all of that, but they were single-handedly responsible for uh, uh, the progress of South Korea. 
you look at Japanese governments since then, they were mostly nationalist governments that uh, 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 helped uh, uh, Japan come out of its uh, World War II thing. You look at uh, the German CDU, uh, <coughs> Christian Democrats, essentially the reformed Nazi party, uh, but right wing this time, pro much more pro-business, openly pro-business and things like that, uh, socially conservative. Uh, who brought uh, 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 Germany out of what it did. And they actually did turn out to be right-wing. Though right now you could say they're pretty left-wing because, you know, the center in Germany now is again quite far to the left again. It wasn't... Uh, there having an East Germany was, you know, you had to clearly ideologically differentiate yourself. Uh, what about Lulu uh, Taiwan. from Brazil? Uh, Lulu uh, from Taiwan. Brazil. Lulu Lula, Lula. He was left uh, uh, no, okay. uh, he was a disaster. Uh, but uh, 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 Taiwan, uh, again, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chiang Kai-shek and his son, uh, uh, Tinko, uh, fantastic. I mean, horrible people, but fantastic. Uh, killed a lot fewer people in percentage terms and in real terms and uh, disproportionately benefited their societies. Next question, please. Amai Tandon wants to know, liberals and Afrocentrists claim Egypt was a completely black civilization. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to show you. Uh, can I do a share screen here? Yeah, I sure, can. Sure, sure, sure. Of course. I'm actually going to one second. Let me first find it. Uh, I want to show you this. Uh, uh, thing where uh, okay one second um, and Libyan Nubian so this is one of the murals from I think it's from Dendra uh let me do a share screen. Uh, hang on, how do I do a share screen? Okay, here. Let me do a share screen. Can you can you see my screen? It's coming up, not yet. Oh. Uh, it will ask oh. you which one of the windows to share. Yeah, it did. And uh, one second. Oh, I think I have to say I have to give permission to Google Chrome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't let me do that. There's no option. Anyway, can I send you the image? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Please share do. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. what I'll do is, yeah, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you the link to the image, and you can uh, share it right now. Yeah. Uh, I want you to see WhatsApp? this. You know, I'm sending it here on the private chat, so you can do it oh, directly. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, on the computer. Yeah, yeah. You, so, uh, our editor can pick it up and. Yeah, if you project uh, that on. Okay, got it. Hold on, hold on. I, I got it. Yeah, there you go. Okay, now you see here. This is how Egyptians used to depict people. Okay, the uh, 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 person to the left far left is a Semite from uh, uh, southern Turkey, northern Israel, depicted as fair with brownish hair. The second is a Numidian from <coughs> Sudan, south of Sudan, uh, su su South Sudan, basically, and they are depicted as black. And mind you, even they are not fully black. Okay, so uh, uh, the black depictions were weren't even used for Nubians. They were, in fact, used for actual uh, Africa going into Uganda and things like that. Uh, the next guy is a Libyan, right? So West, the Western Egypt, uh, Western neighbor of Egypt. This would have been a Berber, what's called the Amazigh people, and they are depicted as fair. And you see on the right, that is an Egyptian. They are always depicted as brown. You look at their entire features and everything, it was Nilo-Hamitic. They are a Semitic branch. You, uh, We now know because of extensive archaeology and all the workers' villages and the burials and things like that, 
these were not slave labor. These were actually paid. They were looked after extremely well. Unlike the rest of Egypt, which had limited meat consumption, these people were given meat every day. They were given beer every day. They had doctors. The workers' village had one of the highest human development indexes. The pyramid workers, the temple builders' villages. The temple builders, you know, were more this thing. But the pyramids, we have extraordinary. And this is the early period of Egypt. Uh, 4,500 BC, we have extraordinary levels of uh, gene mapping and things like that, uh, which will show you they were all native Egyptians. They were all extremely well-fed, extremely well-looked after uh, by any standards at that point of time, across the globe at that point of time. Uh, it was not, it wasn't even remotely a black civilization and no slaves were used in the construction of these monuments. Remember, Egypt had a huge population surplus because the food surplus was so massive. You had a huge population and to prevent rebellion and riots and things like that, you know, when there's resource competition, you created uh, massive public works to engage the population. So did the Romans. They kept <laughs> building arches to keep their army busy. No, not really. So see, the Roman economy was very different. The Roman economy was a slave economy. But it depended on what kind of a slave economy it was. So in the East, if you look at Anatolia and uh, 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 the Levant and things like that, and Greece, because the land wasn't very productive, it was a heavy slave economy. But you go towards Italy, it was less of a slave economy. Spain was even less of a slave economy. Egypt was less of a slave economy. And isn't it surprising that Christianity takes off Mostly, Rome later on became a slave economy once uh, Caracalla issued Ita uh, Roman citizenship to the entire Italian peninsula. You can't enslave a Roman citizen. So who's going to do all the work? You bring in slaves. So it was an uneconomical slave economy, which then uh, 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 Christianity first comes about, becomes, starts becoming the majority religion where the slaves were the highest. Chaitanya wants to know, can S-400 like air defense system be overwhelmed with cheap drones flying towards it in large numbers? Yes, it can. And this is something we should have learned in the Armenia, Azerbaijan. In fact, I tweeted a thread about it. You see, the Soviet uh, era systems, they were layered. The S-400 was to tackle high value targets. I mean, if you take the modern, uh, they're all derived from Soviet era system. The S-400 was high value targets. Uh, the SA-11, the book, was a medium-high value targets. Then you had the TOR system, which was not exactly point defense, but say battlefield defense targets. And then you had the guns and the shoulder-fired missiles and Tuvushka, which was uh, uh, close-in kind of targets. Right? So it, it needed to be layered. And the problem with operating S-400s just by themselves, without the air cover required for them, without the layer, uh, is like operating, you know, elephants in infantry. All the infantry or the horses would do without ground forces accompanying the elephants was they'd go by the side and stab the elephant. So it's like that. It, it's it's stupid. Mandar Karnik wants to know, is the rumored appointment of Ad Admiral Karambir Singh as CDS a signal that the government wants true integration of forces and is not willing to be army-reliant? Well, you know, we can comment on this Mandir when they actually appoint the CTS. Uh, but no, I don't think so. Uh, basically, I don't even think they know what the basic problem out here is. Uh, it's very easy to befuddle this government with jargon. You give them jargon, you threaten them enough, they fall for your line, especially if you're a bureaucrat uh, or a military guy. So let's see. We'll see. Because it's not just the appointment, it's also the actions that get carried out that matter. Next. Uh, Kapil Kapil wants to know, as, instead of uh, LCA, can we aim for export of arms and products like ALH, LCH to African, Southeast Asian, South American countries? You tried. It was a monumental failure. Your one export customer but, uh, Ecuador founded. Hasn't the warscape changed since the Azerbaijan conflict? More drone specific? Yeah, so... I'm just saying that uh, do these things make sense now? LCS. Yeah, look, they're completely different categories. It's like saying because mm. you have planes, you don't need tanks. Mm. Uh, 
you need everything uh but no alh was a huge disaster our one export success turned into a, 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 a never to be repeated again lch is what what exact proposition does it answer okay uh what niche does it fit into that others don't already fit into where they can't get a wider range of weapons and a greater variety of weapons which are already integrated into nato systems or russian systems the russians have every kind of missile integrated into the helicopter so to the uh, chinese what are you what exactly is it that you're going to provide on the lch in terms of cost we can't even compete with the chinese so what are you going to provide there's a reason no there's a reason the jf17 keeps racking up export successes and the lc has not now if you're looking for a cheap western fighter and lc comes in at 50 million dollars a pop but then you have even a trainer of the usf was the new t7a the saab uh, manufactured but i think it's marketed as boeing in america or the fa50 which are already much more capable fighters than the lca so what are you going to do they have the same radar incidentally at least i uh, know the uh, fa50 the korean fa50 has the same radar uh, uh, is a uh, uh, israeli radar uh, the <coughs> uh, uh, the t7 will have a, a, a american asa radar so what exactly are you bringing to the table that's different so no there's nothing you can realistically do see we shoot ourselves in the foot we hyper specialize to the point where we go into something that the military wants under deliver overprice it and where there is absolutely no room left for further sales abhijit uh, from chaitanya abhijit can we mine the lac and loc and myanmar border with landmines and tank mines and make it no man's land will it reduce operational burden on our army uh it actually becomes a significantly greater operational burden because uh, you have to those are all grazing lands uh you have to then clear those mines if and when at a later date they can be easily bypassed because you build tunnels so how deep are you going to mine right and what they do invariably what militants do is they will cut a a uh cut a line in your fence and they'll send through a whole herd of sheep and cows and those cows will get blown up and they'll clear a, a, a mine resistant track on your land so what do you do Abhishek wants to know: Is gov uh, government gives very bad quality of ration under ration? I think ration. PDS, yeah, ration under PDS system. So instead of giving ration, should government give money to buy ration? In this case, poor can buy according to their need and good quality. Yeah. So this is something uh, uh, that was what the direct cash transfer was meant to be, in a sense. No. it wasn't meant to be it was meant to be generally fixing a kind of a system where you do the direct cash transfers and things like that this i there, there are so many people that have written about the quality of ration the problem of subsidies etc ashok gulati amongst them fantastic you do read them if you get the chance bhai sunta kon hai sunta kon hai but yeah that's exactly what should be done you give out food coupons food coupons is one of the schemes that works fantastically well you give out food coupons and then the folks decide what they get to buy uh, the grocer collects those food coupons and they send it to the government for reimbursement kapil gund wants to know question for both of you like british car brands like range rover jaguar bentley aston or do you prefer german car like mercedes or audi they are all equally shit and i'll tell you why uh first they're wonderful when they work more often than not they do not work okay their reliability is extraordinarily bad the depreciation on them is disastrous okay uh you're probably much better off buying a suzuki or something like that 
which is not going to stop in water, whose electronics are not going to break down, whose, uh, 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 you know, the, the servicing is abundant. What they do is the Japanese especially, they wait for technology to mature and become reliable before putting it into the cars. The problem with the European manufacturers and Range Rover is a particularly nasty brand in that. Range Rover, Audi, BMW are the worst. Jaguar is almost as bad. Uh, Bentley is also extremely problematic. Aston is superbly problematic. Mercedes is the most reliable. It's the least of the worst, but it is still the worst. Okay. So with all of these things, the depreciation is a nightmare. Okay. The uh, <coughs> uh, maintenance is a nightmare. Once it's outside the maintenance period, it's a nightmare. They overcharge you. They cheat you left, right, and center. The BMWs are the biggest cheats around. Uh, apparently, Audi is also beginning to look at that model of cheating uh, customers and things like that. Uh, you look at uh, 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 reliability, you're scared to take it out on the highway because you never know what is going to go bad and it's going to stop. You know, even high-end Japanese cars like Lexus, Toyotas are the most reliable cars you'll get, but you go into Lexus. I remember I was uh, 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 driving with my friend, well, she was driving, I wasn't driving, uh, uh, across uh, uh, <coughs> two, three states, Oklahoma, and uh, yeah, we were in Oklahoma at that point of time. And what happened was we started getting a warning sign. We didn't know what the hell the warning sign was. So we tried looking it up on the internet. By the time we had looked it up on the internet, the car had just stopped. And then we had to go by, uh, uh, you know, we had to call the road assistant, all of that. We had to get a uh, Uber to take us to a motel. Uh, uh, and a tow truck bought the uh, brought the car over to the motel. Then the next day, the uh, 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 roadside assist guys came. It turned out it was the back seat, uh, or the backmost seat in the boot. It was a Lexus SUV. A backmost seat on the boot, a plastic bag fragment had gotten caught where the latch is. You know where that back seat latches on to the. Uh, Rest, yeah. rests on, yeah, and it screwed the entire car over. So, you know, the more technology you introduce, the greater the failure points. And because even Lexus has to kind of is known by a technology barometer, not a reliability barometer, all the technology barometer cars are absolute shit. What you do is you rent them and drive them over the weekend, never buy one. If you're buying one, buy a Japanese, buy a Toyota, buy a Honda. There is a reason that all terrorists across the world in the Middle East and elsewhere drive Toyota pickup trucks. They can miss 8, 9, 10 servicings and they will still go on. Once upon a time, you used to see terrorists drive Mercedes. Right, right up to the W124 model, I think it was. They used to drive Mercedes where they were mechanical and they were reliable. The moment this entire electronic revolution came about, most unreliable cars you can ever get are the German, British, French and Italian cars. Avoid them like the plague. Have you driven a bug? I loved the bug. Volkswagen bug. The original was much nicer. The later one was a bit rare, but the original true, was true. the best. But the original one, because the reason is that's one of the simplest cars to assemble and disassemble. You could yeah. actually disassemble it, put it in a trunk, go to wherever you want to, put it back up and it will start running. It was yeah. air-cooled. It was air-cooled. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Herbie goes bananas. That's one of the places where you'll see the Volkswagen. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you could drive it through water. It won't stop. You could drive it through anything. Yeah. You could use it as an SUV off-road in it. Nothing would happen to it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Th there was that reliability, which is... And sadly, what happens is the Korean cars are now going the German way. They started off being like the Japanese. And now they want to prove that they've got all this tech, 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 which is why you look at the new Creta. The new Creta has so many problems, which the old Creta did not have. They conquered the market with the Creta. They're going to lose the market because of the Creta. Toyota is going to lose the market for another reason, because they maintained the correct technology level with the uh, Innova, but they jacked its price up so high, it doesn't, it's meaningless buying it anymore.
Neeraj Kulkarni wants to know if Roman descendant Catholic culture is supposedly so good in political organization, then why compare them to Dharmic counters? Countries like Japan, Thailand, India, Latin America, Sicily are so much crime-ridden. I didn't understand your question, Neeraj. What does political organization have to do with crime? Uh, Still confusing. Can you reword it? Yeah. Yeah. Can you reword it, please? Abhijit Mohanty wants to know, dear Abhijit, can you give a brief rundown of what went wrong with P75I and how do the Korean submarines fare against the French and German counterparts? Mm. Look, the Korean submarines are derivatives of German submarines. They're essentially German submarines. All right. They did technology transfer right, which India never did. Uh, they also bought six submarines from the Germans and they were able to indigenize the technology. India bought six submarines from the French. We were not able to indigenize the technology, which is why we made a... Uh, uh, and initially, the original Type 1500 we bought from the Germans, that was meant to be a technology, but because it got bogged down in corruption, all the technology acquired was lost. Uh, uh, so what happens in the P-75I is essentially unrealistic expectations. They want to fit the BrahMos in there, so they want vertical launch tubes. Now, the naval vertical launch tube is bigger than the diameter of most of these submarines, and so you have to redesign the entire submarine. Now, if you want to redesign the submarine, the costs are prohibitive. You know what happened with Australia, right? When they wanted a simple job, take a nuclear submarine and turn it into a diesel electric submarine, the cost skyrocketed to something like $110 billion. That was the ultimate projected price from what was meant to be a, a $35 billion deal. So there is. Why would no... you want to switch from uh, a nuclear submarine to diesel submarine? Australia has political compulsions. They don't want nuclear submarines. Now they've overcome it and now they're buying nuclear submarines. They could have just gone to French nuclear, but anyway, they didn't. Australia is very anti nuclear, so you can't. Uh, uh, you could not. Now you can, but they, you could not. Uh, so what happens here is you want all these, essentially what you're asking for is a clean sheet news design. Because you think a submarine is a Lego block where you can do, just keep adding. Uh, submarines are some of the most difficult engineering challenges humanly possible. All right, because it's buoyancy. Every addition you make, every 1% change you require, make, requires a 90% change in technical drawings. Okay, uh, all the uh, exact weights have to be balanced out because, you know, if, if you suck in water and the weight across the submarine is the same, you're going to uh, uh, be like this. But if you change even a slight thing, the same amount of water, you'll be like this. The Spanish submarine, do you know what happened? Why is the Spanish SAT submarine even sailing? One guy... In one, just one place, put the decimal point wrong by one place. And that meant the entire submarine being built, if it went, if it submerged, it wouldn't have been able to resurface. It killed off that program, basically. So submarines are extremely complex. Uh, you'd think that our people would understand that they do not. It has been a complete disaster. It's the same reason nobody wanted to com compete in the armored fighting vehicle. Everybody withdrew. Why did everybody withdraw? Because they were like, you want an armored fighting vehicle that can basically sail like a ship, fly like a, a helicopter, and still fight on land like a tank. This is the same sort of tomfoolery that they wanted. They do cut pace. See, they have no correlation with reality. It's like, you know, I want the uh, the uh, interior of the BMW, but the front end of the uh, Mercedes and the back end of the Audi. Now, who the hell is going to make that for you? Next question, please. Shivam Goyal wants to know, why is Western education work-life balance so chill as compared to East like Japan and Korea? Well, very good question. The main reason for that is there has always been a much greater emphasis on human leisure time out there. It's a cultural thing. In the East, you don't get ahead unless you're seen as breaking your back, be it in studies, be it in work and things like that. Okay, so it's very much a cultural thing. 
which is why the West prioritizes it. The East, there is no conception of it. You have extremely high birth suicide rates and things like that, which nobody takes into account. It's, <clears throat> I look at some of my Japanese colleagues and my Korean colleagues, and I really pity them. It's hierarchical. It is merciless and think tanks. I'm not even talking about industry. It is merciless. It is pitiless. They have no spare time. It's just work, 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 work. If you have to put in FaceTime, if you're not seen putting in FaceTime, then your career is going nowhere. Uh, one of the main reasons, uh, for example, that uh, Carlos Goen had all this crap uh, thrown at him was because of his flamboyance. It is not appreciated in Japan to be flamboyant like this. Okay, uh, uh, you're not meant to be having all these extravagant parties and so much time on the off, uh, so on and so forth. So, of course, it was a lot of politics. You know, he, uh, Japan didn't want uh, Nissan to be integrated seamlessly with Renault and things like that. That's a different matter. But this was one of the other things. It's very much a cultural thing. Sandman1306. How did Marathas become pioneers of early rocketry warfare? Marathas? Tipu Sultan. I thought that was Tipu Sultan, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's my recollection. And even that, yeah. he didn't quite know how to fire them. He was firing them beyond the, the British and it wasn't very effective, is what I'm trying to say. So here's the thing. In those days, uh, innovations, today innovations are very complex phenomenon. In those days, innovation was relatively simple. It was literally Dr. Strangelove sitting in a room coming up with something new. <laughs> so sheer dumb luck, because we don't have a history of... Uh, there's not a traceable history of rocketry. And of course, the problem again was that, like you said, Tipu Sultan didn't know how to deploy those rockets properly. He had no clue. But he's not the first person. Like, you know, the French actually invented the machine gun. They didn't know how to deploy it. They actually could have won the Franco-Prussian War very quickly in 1870 had they known how to use their machine guns. The problem was that because they were classified as artillery instead of infantry weapons to protect infantry, they were kept at the back with the artillery and they could never be used. And by that time, your infantry had been destroyed by the Prussian uh, uh, artillery. So there were lots of things uh, uh, about that uh, uh, deployment and things like that. But in those days, innovation was an isolated mechanism. It wasn't a sustained thing where you grow geographically. It was usually arithmetic and sometimes it wasn't even arithmetic. It was just sheer fluke sometimes. So now you know what Q used to do in his labs. Yeah. It was essentially Q in his lab. <laughs> Ishan Sharma wants to know, how, who do you think will be Democratic Party nominee in 2024 if it is not Biden? It's going to be Biden. Unless he dies, it's going to be Biden. Even if he's going to lose, it's going to be Biden. And Ishan Sharma again, your inside stories in the upcoming election-bound states of Gujarat and Himachal. Are you serious? You want me to do sephology? Okay. Himachal, I don't really know. But Gujarat, BJP is going to come back maybe slightly stronger. Uh, <coughs> but the big story of Gujarat will be what happens to the Congress after this defeat. I suspect one-third will join BJP and the remaining two-thirds will join AAP. Hmm. Malibar Bhattacharya. Hi, Abhijit. How was Spain able to defeat 700-year-old Muslim rule on their soil? Can it be a role model to tackle radical extremist elements? No. Radical extremism has nothing to do with Muslim state power. Remember, radical extremism is in a non-Muslim state. This is Muslim political power, but mostly they were able to do it because the innovations in warfare in Europe were significantly higher. Uh, uh, cannons were much more developed at that point of time in the north, uh, in Europe, basically. Uh, the Christians had a much greater sense of what it was to be Christian. Uh, the uh, Muslims at that time were severely divided. Remember, they started breaking up into smaller states very quickly after they were formed. So it was easy to take them out piecemeal one by one by one by one. 
So it was a gradual process that happened slowly, slowly, slowly. And, you know, in a way, it wasn't very different from what happened in India. So you look what happens in India. By the end, when the British take us over, it is a myth that they took over from Muslim rule. Most of India at that point was either the Sikh Empire or the uh, Maratha Empire. Uh, the Nizam of Hyderabad was a pale shadow of himself. He was nobody. Right. Uh, 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 mo most of Bengal was under Maratha occupation. Well, Maratha raids. Uh, Odisha was under Maratha occupation. Uh, uh, the Sultanate of Bengal was extremely weak. And ultimately, had the British not come, you would have seen maybe not the Marathas and maybe not the Sikhs, but somebody else would have got, uh, removed the Nizam and removed uh, 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 the uh, Sultanate of Bengal. So it was a very similar process. Um, if you want to know more about the history of canon, there is a show on Netflix called Mehmet, M-E-H-M-E-T, for the Turkish king who uses canon to uh, storm Constantinople. It's not accurate. No, no, no. Don't recommend that series. It's a horrible program. Why? Mehmet's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mehmet Fatih's use of canons was the worst use of canons. It is, it's a textbook of what not to recommend in the use of canons. The canons played no role in the actual sack of Constantinople. I thought it this was a fiction, factual uh, recollection of... No, 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 it is not. It was, it's absolute garbage. It is absolute garbage. It is mm. a completely ahistorical garbage. Uh, so are you saying that a Romanian did... Sack of... Hold on, hold on. Are you saying that a Romanian did not invent the cannon machine? No, he did not. Who, who invented it? Uh, we don't know. But it wasn't a Romanian for sure. And those cannons, the Turkish cannons were completely useless. What mm. happens is it is the Turkish fleet with much smaller guns and cannons coming and bombarding the extremely weak part of the wall past the Golden Horn that ultimately led to the victory. It had those big cannons that they used were completely useless. Hmm. Uh, so no, do, do not watch that series. Uh, as a rule, just avoid watching a lot of these ancient history series on TV. I know They're Marco all historical yeah. No, no, Marco Polo was at least, it was fiction. The worst things are the uh, things that claim they are based on fact. They got the the, uh, the what is that? Anyway, word? let's go. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, what can be done about standardized Indian Army, Air Force, and Navy communications? Well, first decide on a standard. No, uh, you don't want the Russian standard. Fine. You don't want the American Link 16 standard. Fine. Then settle on the Swedish standard or come up with your own standard, where you insist that unless you're going to link this up with all your stuff. You can't even qualify. See, first you have to decide what the standard is. No, Tumbi decide karoge. But then you decide you are going to develop your own system to link up what is already there, where all those guys are denying you the source codes. First, you develop the system. Then you tell everybody that unless you prove integration with our system, you you will be disqualified. And you have to transfer the source codes. Make it dependent on that. Next. Gaurav Kataria wants to know how's India-China relationship? Has there been any new developments in Ladakh standoff? Stalemate, no new developments whatsoever. None. Zero. Zinch. Sally wants to know, have you read the book Multiple Modernities by Schmel Eisenstadt? What is your opinion on the idea of multiple modernities? Well, I haven't read it, but clearly I do need to read it. So let me take a photo of it so that I remember to get it. Next. Next question, please. Dash Desai wants to know, NCRT books say that Pinochet was an evil capitalist dictator and Aland was a people socialist. If false, what did Pinochet do to help Chile? <laughs> oh, God. Look, Pinochet, look, Chile was an extraordinary stable country. You know, they hadn't had a military coup. Uh, they were very open society. Uh, uh, they were... Uh, they were quite racist, yeah, sure. Uh, they treated the Native Indians quite badly. Uh, 
were already in a very significant minority by that time. But uh, they had beaten every other country in a war before that. What Aliente came about doing was exactly what Hugo Chavez and co did. They wanted to nationalize everything. They wanted to uproot parliament. People forget that Salvador Allende wanted to disband parliament. He wanted to become a dictator. I don't know why. I would really recommend you go through the New York Times archives. I mean, the New York Times is biased, but uh, if there's any newspaper you trust, go to them, ask to ac access their archives and look at what was happening in South America in that period. Allende was actually bringing out street movements and things like that, bringing a street veto to parliament. They were smuggling in weapons to stage a coup against parliament. Remember, Allende did not control parliament and he essentially wanted to do to it what Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro did to their parliament. He was a horrible piece of shit. I don't know why people don't remember all of this. And Pinochet did take over, but Pinochet, was he an evil dictator? Yes. But he was nowhere near as evil as other dictators. 10,000 people killed is not particularly bad in the annals of dictatorship if you look at how long he ruled. What, 20 years almost? Yeah. 10,000 people in 20 years is not too bad, boss. <laughs> so, he wasn't all that bad either. Uh, this is a classic left-wing thing. Our dictators are very good. Your dictators are horrible. No, sorry, not. Imanchu wants to know, what is the relationship between Prakrit and Sanskrit? And what's your take on national language? Well, Prakrit is what? It's, it's simplified Sanskrit. It's spoken Sanskrit. So, I guess it's what street Hindi is to chaste Hindi, uh, what TV Hindi, like for example, the Tamil that she and I speak to each other is very different from what happens in newspapers. So even in Rome, Pigeon Latin was very different from spoken Latin. Pigeon Latin ultimately became Italian. Right. So this happens in every language when it's too formalized. National language, <laughs> well, you need a linked language. But the problem is, how do you go about it? You could have gone about it if you hadn't gone in for a linguistic division of states. You went in for it. Abhukto. Well, Sanskrit by definition means refined language. So that is the refinement over Prakrit. And Sanskrit is a more grammatically complete language. And it's, it serves itself for many other purposes. Let's go on to the next question. Dear um, AIM, what is your opinion about studying in Israel? Is it a good option for Indian students, undergraduate and graduate studies? It's a very, it depends on what you want to study, but irrespective, it's fantastic to study, but it's a very, very expensive place. Remember that. Uh, uh, keep remembering that. It's a, it's a super expensive place to study in. There are lots of scholarships that the Israeli embassy does. Get in touch with them. They'll be able to help you out, uh, embassy or consulate. Bhargava Potakumari, Potakumari, I think. What are the positive steps taken by current government for both internal and external security? Does Ministry of Finance, FA, is Foreign Affairs have performance reviews? Love you guys. FA does not have performance reviews, unfortunately. If they did, 90% of their staff would be sacked. Uh, positive steps for internal and external security. Where internal security has mostly been Kashmir. I know for a fact, I mean, not everything you want is being done, but there are some substantial things that are being done. There are things, for example, negotiating with Northeastern militant movements, which have gone very successfully. But otherwise, it's the shambles. Because see, there's no first principles application to internal security. External security, again, there's lots of good things happening. So for example, the shift away from the use of ground power to air power and the development of border infrastructure is very good. Unfortunately, the procurements and things like that have either become as bad, if not possibly worse than before. Parth Patipam Das, why Hindi-speaking states have higher fertility rate than others? Uh, well, they sure. also have lower. I'm not sure that's uh, accurate entirely evenly. Huh? Yeah. Because the richer states would have lower fertility. It depends. It's a per capita income dependent thing. It's not a hidden. It's economic thing. more than anything else. Yeah. It's exactly. It's economic. 
Godfather wants to know what do you think Russia or Ukraine will win? Who do you think Russia or Ukraine will win this war? What will be the future of Ukraine? There is no future for Ukraine. If it uh, survives, it will be a rump uh, uh, mafia state like Albania has become effectively. Uh, because there's too much militarization and weaponization now of the population. You, this uh, government won't be able to ever get back control again. Uh, will Russia win that war? Maybe in another year or two if they manage to sustain the war effort. Yeah, but take a minimum of a year now. Uh, that's the way it is. I think today I read somewhere that Putin is going to have some cancer operation done. I don't believe all that crap. Huh? Uh, I mean, take anything the Western press says with a bucket full of salt. Dash Desai wants to know, one, with 45% population in industry, can Gujarat be considered an industrialized state? Is Deng Xiaoping a hero for China? Deng Xiaoping is very much, yeah, Deng Xiaoping is very much a hero for China. And the main blot on his history is that uh, Tiananmen Square massacre. But I think any future uh, analysis of this will be very uh, mixed. I think Tiananmen will in the future be seen as a turning point when he went from real reformer to fake reformer. Because before that, he was creating a genuine middle class. And the moment he realized that middle class will lead to political trouble, he switched back to a 70 to 80% state consumption model. Disastrous. Uh, a lot of the root of China's economic problems today can be found in that uh, uh, thing. But it's still a better place to be than where India is completely deindustrialized. Uh, can Gujarat be considered an industrial state? Are you sure 45% is an industry? I'm not too sure about that, Dash. Uh, because I don't think it's manufacturing either. It could be diamonds and things, but it is not manufacturing. Huh? No, I don't uh, think because, so. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, it's definitely not manufacturing. So see, this is why manufacturing is important. A diamond cutter is not. Okay, diamond cutter is still a... a, a I don't know what exactly... It's a primitive industry in the sense you may be using modern tools, but it doesn't lead to the kind of societal change that manufacturing does, which is a completely different ballgame. Uh, Uni Rider 100. Are Indian military planners able to strip through the war propaganda of massive Ukrainian victories? No, unfortunately, they are not. I can honestly tell you the thing that scares me more than Russian setbacks is the Indian refusal to learn from those setbacks. There's nothing we can do about it, unfortunately. Alas. G. Periaswan. How can we legally prevent freebies, bait? Well, you can't. How do you prevent freebies bait by political parties? You can't. No, we can. There's a way to do it. Um, at least in India, it's a, at least in India, most of the money that the politicians have, they don't keep it here. They keep it abroad. Whatever they bring it back, they'll keep it in real estate, but they can't offload that to run elections. The real estate money that they keep it is just for... I don't know. Sometime it, it's, 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 I know I still don't understand why they bring it back into the country and keep it in real estate, like in malls, in big high rise apartments, and so on. Um, but now, if the government, Modi government, were to not allow any Hawala money coming in, then these people don't have money to splurge. No, 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 that's not the question. That's not the question, Sri. He's talking about freebies by political parties before elections. That's exactly what I'm announcing. Saying. No, no, no. But how is that? A f no, no, no. This is not candidates oh, giving out money. So this is, a, you know, fiscally irresponsible handouts by the government. Okay, to okay, okay, okay. Well, if they start putting a same scale for all the 29 odd states that are now in India and say that, you know, once you go beyond this percent of your budget, then you, you are, you are, this thing allocation will start cutting. No, I think right now they allocate it based on the economy and perhaps the population. And then there will be some, you know, oh, in fact, E.A.S. Sarma, he is a man who has drafted how the fiscal responsibility of states must be ensured. I think that needs to be implemented. Have you heard of him? E.A.S. Sarma, I.A.S., retired officer? 
Should I have? He is he is a sambandhi of uh, Dr. Swami. Okay. Gitanjali's no, husband's dad. Yeah. Okay, no idea. I have not heard of him. Very, very rare one, honest bureaucrat. Okay. No, I have not heard of him, unfortunately. All right. So, Guys, we are winding uh, yeah. down for today. A few more minutes and then we'll be winding down. But Abhijit will answer the last two episodes plus this one, whatever questions we missed. So please bear with us. We're going to continue for a few more minutes. Sahil Mahajan wants to say, your concerns regarding China hand in Twitter acquisition. Did Musk have the liquidity to pull it off? Well... I suspect he might have, uh, but he wouldn't do something unless he could, no? But I don't think no, there's a China has... hand in it. No, I don't think there's a China hand in it. Yeah, right now China is going through problems of its own to come set upside like 44 billion and that too when everybody's looking at where the money is coming and where the money is going. I don't see that happening. It's just own Exactly. Diran Vinod says, what are your top three concerns for India's security for the next six, ten years? Well, all our internal security decisions coming home to roost, primarily the restarting of the insurgency in uh, Punjab. Uh, in, uh, Punjab. Uh, that, that should be the main, this thing. And I think that's a very significant one too. Next one, please. Oh, you had three. You, you wanted to say three things. Well, no. This is really the big one. The others are, you know, we've already discussed it. Things like, for example, what are we going to do with uh, 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 our defense procurement and stuff like that, where, you know, you can literally do nothing. I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's repeating all the same old mistakes over and over and over again. What do you do in that case? Um, Chaitanya G wants to know, is America a long-term reliable partner in weapon supplies considering weapon life cycle is very long? Will they stop supplies if we can attack, if we attack Pakistan? They'll supply us with weapons, but they'll also impose limitations on what we do to Pakistan. Right. So it, but you'll still be able to do a lot to Pakistan. Like nobody can accuse Israel of not screwing over uh, uh, their neighbors when they attack, right? But when Israel want to screw over Iran, America just refused to give them permission to do it. So again, globally, you will have to follow America's lead. Gyanendra Shukla wants to know, what's your opinion on Punjab's future? Terrorism. You're looking at a return of insurgency. I thought it was going to be six to seven years. It looks like the timeline has been accelerated. We're now looking at it starting off. I, I would say we're already in a proto-insurgency right now. Who do you think is the behind all this? Mostly AAP, but uh, I mean, AAP is the manifestation of it, right? It was also done through the Congress and a lot of BJP in action. Uh, that giving into the farmers was the biggest flip to the terrorists that you could have got. That literally set the ball rolling. I also heard that the... Go ahead, go it's, ahead. it's almost entirely going to be a Jatsik insurgency. They, they account for 22% of the population, but they control the politics out there. They control everything out there. I also heard that the BSF is now 75 kilometers in Punjab, not 50. Maybe, I don't know. As far as I know. They're just 50. trying to get more control over that. Anyway, next one. Yeah, but see, it's not going to help. It's hmm. not going to help because you're allowing all the root level problems to continue festering. You screwed up very badly. Uh, especially during the farmer's agitation. Now, Bhukta. Uh, I think this is the last question and I think we might be caught up for this week. Let's see. Uh, you want to put out the Viswa Pramod question? Okay. Uh, let me let me ask this question real quick. It came up. Yeah, sorry. Huh. Yeah. Viswa Pramod wants to know, Abhijit, I'm developing a basic structure doctrine for India's policy foreign policy, is it a good idea? I mean, it's great as an academic thing. The question is, who's going to listen? Right. Right. I mean, it's not that many people haven't come up with truly innovative stuff in the past. The problem is 
and uh, we didn't in, uh, indulge in any banter and we'll be back again next week but we are going to try and do a catch up session with the two missed questions from two episodes abhijit uh, we'll work it out offline yeah. and thanks once again abhijit and we'll be back again next monday namaskar do this <laughs>